0: So we are continuing our um, series in the book of Revelation. And I kind of wanted to promote this one book that I've used for years. Maybe if you're familiar with the Left Behind series that came out years ago. Um, But this book here is by Tim LaHaye and it's called Charting the End Times. And this book has a lot of good information in it. And what I like the best about it is, look at that, it's got pictures. Uh huh. So, so it's not like really heavy, deep reading. Look, more pictures. So it's perfect for my kind of reading. Um, but it does, it is, it is packed full of information um, and, and reputable author. So Charting the End Times by Tim LaHaye is a book that, that I use when doing uh, kind of end time study and whatnot. And then what we'll kind of, I thought maybe I'd promote some books as we go further on into this series. But today we're going to be in chapter six. And chapter 6 is the first set of three judgments being poured out on the earth during the tribulation period. And these are called the seal judgments. Now these will be followed by the trumpet judgments and then the bowl judgments. And then in chapter 19 we we will see songs of victory being sung in heaven. So the tribulation period will take place in the book of Revelation chapter 6 through 18 and then the victory that is God's we will see in chapter 19. Now in Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13 and Luke chapter 21, Jesus also prophesied of these events that take place. So he doesn't know when the time or the hour is, I believe when the rapture happens, like when, he, when the rapture happens. But he was very familiar with the Old Testament writings I mean he he knew the scriptures and so I believe this is where he came up with uh, these uh, 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 words and prophecies that he spoke of these warnings really Um, and so we see that he foretold of these end time events to his disciples and then in uh, John chapter 16 he also warned of the end times tribulation this hour of testing that's coming But he was actually more focused on the help that the Holy Spirit will bring to those during this time in the Gospel of John. Now, the seal judgments are the beginning of the tribulation period, that seven-year tribulation period, with with, um, the trumpet judgments following. And then there's some other things that happen in there before the midpoint of the tribulation period, the three-and-a-half years. And then the bold judgments begin the second half of the tribulation period. And and those are some horrific judgments that come on the earth. But we'll look at those later. Um, So let's get right into it with uh, Revelation chapter 6. So this is the apostle John, and he was... Witnessing this as it happened in the throne room of heaven, the throne room of God. As I, watched, as I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come! I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. Interesting. Interesting. So this, again, signifies the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period. And somewhere around here, God's prophetic clock starts back up for the Jewish people. Remember, we looked at that last week. It was a little confusing, but we can, I'll have to give it to you really short. So in Nehemiah, God's prophetic clock for the Jewish people, for the nation of Israel, started when Nehemiah began building the uh, city of Jerusalem. And the first 49 years, it took 49 years. Remember, there was 490 years. It took 49 years to rebuild the city. That was the first set of seven. Then from there, there was 483 years to the crucifixion. So that was the first set, the six, 69 sets of seven. In some of your Bibles, it says 69 weeks. And then after the crucifixion, this anointed one, appearing as if nothing was accomplished, stopped God's prophetic clock for the nation of Israel. And then we entered into what is called the church age. And the church age is for all people around the world, Gentiles, to put their faith in Jesus, and that is the age that we're in right now. And the prophetic clock for God's people, chosen people, the Israelites, will start back up when this peace treaty that the Antichrist makes with Israel. And that's what we're going to look at here. Now, he's riding a white horse. Now in Revelation chapter 19, we see that Jesus is returning to earth on a white horse. But there's a difference here. He has a sword coming out of his mouth, his eyes of fire and hair that's white. And we are following him. This is after the tribulation period. Now this particular rider here that we're looking at is not Jesus. And this rider has a bow with no arrows and a crown is placed on his head. He is setting forth, to, he sets forth to win battles and gain victory. This writer is the Antichrist, quite possibly Satan himself. Who rises to power in a world leader and makes his move after the church is raptured. When we are raptured up out of here, there's a world leader that will rise up to power and he will make this peace treaty with Israel. And that is when the uh, prophetic clock starts up again, the last set of seven, the 70th week for God's people. Now, this writer is also wearing what is called a victor's crown. It was placed on his head. So God is allowing him to have full but yet limited reign at this time. And some people question, like, why would, why would a loving God allow these kind of world leaders to rise to power? Why would he allow these world leaders that are not very good leaders, that are despicable people, right, that do, do terrible harm to other human beings, why would he allow them to rise to power? Well, listen, Daniel spoke of this in chapter 2. And he tells us, God controls the course of world events He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. It's interesting, what we we need to note here is is he doesn't say that God creates the world events. It says he controls them. So when things seem like they're spiraling out of control, God is still in control. And just to make myself feel a little bit better, I always kind of say, well, he puts people in leadership positions, and he allows people to be. You know, sometimes he says, okay, mankind, you wanted this person to be your leader, he will be your leader. It's not what I wanted, it's what you wanted. Um, And then in Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul writes this, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So if you don't like your president, or you don't like your governor, or you don't like your mayor, or you don't like your boss, talk to God about it. He's the one that put them in those positions. And if you struggle with that, here's what I would say. Why don't you pray, God, that changes your heart? Pray, God, to change your heart. God, help me see why this person is in this position. Help me to understand, God. And then pray for that person's person's well-being because as christians that's what we ought to be doing because we have to understand god is always in control nothing is spiraling out of control that he's up there in heaven going oh, i don't know what to do this is getting out of hand i need some help <laughs> now the antichrist again he will gain world power with this peace treaty that he that he that he forms with israel now the peace treaty will will also build his trust with other nations thereby giving him the ease of conquering many nations without warfare and bloodshed I kinda see him as being a smooth-talking good-looking nice guy that everybody goes this can be a guy we can follow that that's how that's how I envision it but you know I don't know but he will do so peacefully okay and millions and millions of people will be deceived by his tactics and i think this will happen after the rapture well i know what will happen after the rapture but while the world is still in chaos and confusion about why millions and millions of people disappeared like just disappeared then he's going to make his move it'll be a good time to make his move to bring world peace because now the world has someone they can put their trust in. Now following his teaching of the rapture, we looked at this last week in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul had this to say about the events that we're looking at. He, he, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he does this teaching on the rapture, and then he says this in chapter 5. Now concerning how, when, how and when all of this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking about the rapture, how we will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye, in the blink of an eye, in, in, a, in a second, meeting the Lord in the heavens, in the clouds. Concerning how all this will happen, we don't really need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When the rapture happens, it's going to happen unexpectedly. We won't know. When people say, when people are saying, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. So right here, Paul is talking about this period where this world leader rises up, brings peace. Everything is secure. We can trust in this man. This is good. Ah, I don't know where all those people went. But now we have someone we can trust. Well, let's just keep reading here and see what happens with that trust. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 3. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come. Then another horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, come. I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive oil and the wine. So there goes your peace. Now The red horse represents war, all right? This rider was given a sword. And he was with the authority to bring what I believe civil unrest and warfare. All right? His judgment will be the removal of all the world peace. And the result will be war and slaughter everywhere. But then, here comes another horse. A black horse. This horse represents famine. This means, listen, if I was in a country like, say, Africa or another country where, you know, they, they don't have, like, uh, even Haiti, right? Where we have our, our feeding the children program. Famine doesn't mean anything to them. They live that. But think of, like, America or maybe Europe or Canada, like famine. I can't imagine that. Let's put some things into a little bit more of a perspective. There was a little something that happened a few years ago in 2020 where none of us could find toilet paper. It's going to be a little worse than trying to find some toilet paper. Boy, I remember we, we scoured the city, and I was so happy. We found a, it was a, it was a Walmart in Westerville. We had gone like two or three. It's kind of a funny story, so side note here. We finally found some. Kim was waiting in the car because it wasn't worth both of us going in. I was just going in and coming out. We don't have any toilet paper. So I found some. It's a no-name brand, but I got some. I bought whatever I could, got home, and it was one ply. (laughs) (laughs) But we had some. (laughs) But this is famine here. And listen, here's what I envision this to look like. High prices on everything. Inflation through the roof. A loaf of bread will cost a day's wage. A loaf of bread will be so much that uh, most of us, middle class and lower class, we're going to struggle. Well, we will be raptured in heaven. But the middle class and the lower class, they're not going to know what to do. There will be civil unrest. There will be war. There will be slaughter everywhere. Because people won't know what to do. A loaf of bread will cost a day's pay. And don't waste the olive oil and the wine. That's like our daily commodities. Our fruits and vegetables. Our dairy products. Our meats. Don't waste this stuff, church. Don't waste it, is what he's saying. Now, as bad as it's going to be, there is a limit to what this writer can bring in the way of worldwide famine. Remember, God controls everything. Now the voice in verse 6 here that says that because it says in, in uh, verse 6 what does he say? Uh, uh, and I heard a voice from among the four living beings say a loaf of... This is God. I, I believe this is God. A loaf of wheat bread and, and I believe it's this big booming thunderous voice. And the four living beings well those are those seraphim, right? Those angels that, that, that circle the throne room of God. Singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. As each seal is broken, each one of them has a role to play. They call forth a horse. Come. Each horse comes. And these horses and these riders are called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And they are sent forth by the authority of God himself. Therefore... They are limited to the amount of harm and destruction that they can bring. There is a limit to what they can do. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. When the lamb, when the lamb broke the thir- uh, verse 7, where are we at? When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. Death and Hades is what some of your versions say. So it's getting worse. <laughs> now Death and the grave are released by riding on a pale green horse. Pale green, that, that color represents sickness and death, disease. Death and his companion are given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill by war, famine, disease, and wild animals? If you're a farmer, or you have chickens, you can relate to that. Like, wild animals are going to go crazy. Now, what we want to do is, let's take, a little, let's take a little trip down Old Testament lane for a minute. Judgments like these are not new. God has lifted his blessing, his hand of blessing, and allowed judgments like these to occur in the Old Testament. But not to the extent of the tribulation period but listen to this Ezekiel chapter 14 now this is what the sovereign Lord says how terrible it will be when all four of these dreadful punishments fall upon Jerusalem war, famine, wild animals and disease destroying all her people and animals and then Jeremiah chapter 15 I will send Four kinds of destroyers against them, says the Lord. I will send the sword to kill, the dogs to drag away, the vultures to devour, and the wild animals to finish up what is left. Well, that's pretty crazy, man. And listen, I don't believe this is not symbolic. You can read, read Ezekiel, read Jeremiah. These judgments were the result of the Israelites turning away from God rebelling against him and living immoral idolatrous lives the israelites were setting up the reason that god brought these judgments like this upon them like like why why go to such extremes god like couldn't you just like you know send an angel to say hey would you guys straighten up a little bit here but they were building these temples on these high places to these idolatrous gods false gods and there was all kinds of immorality temple prostitution and and, 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 and just f- for the sake of of being in the church building we won't even need to go into what was happening in these temples but it was immoral it was disgusting it was dreadful stuff and God had had enough they had a God for everything for their crops for the rain for the sun They even had a God named Melech that they would sacrifice their children to. I mean, the Israelites fell into some dark times. and, And God will do all he can. He will try to get our attention for as long as he can. As long as it takes, he will whisper in our ears. He will yell in our ears. He will send people to talk to us. And when we don't listen to him, He will bring judgment. Now, in the case of these judgments, this is interesting because Jeremiah was prophesying to the people like, hey, you're going to be taken into captivity. Uh, This country, Babylon, is going to overtake you, and you're going to be captive to them for 70 years. And they're like, get out of here. Jeremiah, we don't want to hear from you. God sent somebody, they, they didn't want to hear from him. They, they, they dug holes and put Jeremiah in these pit. I mean, Jeremiah, you, we have got to have a lot of respect for him for what he went through for the Lord. Even Ezekiel, the stuff that they did to, to, to be the mouthpiece for God. So Jeremiah preached of this impending judgment that was coming while Ezekiel started his prophecies uh, to the Israelites, to the Jewish people, the Israelites, while they were in captivity in Babylon. And these were the judgments that God was saying are going to come upon you because you're not listening to me. When we refuse to repent of our ways, we will deal with the consequences. It's just what happens. As a parent, right? As a parent, don't you tell your child, like, I mean, how many times do you have? How many times do you give them? Three, four, five times? And then finally you're like, okay, you know what? Now I've had it. You know? We had a spanking spoon when we were young. Amen. Yes. <laughs> it lasted on Becca once, and Ben just laughed. I mean, it didn't work on him. But, right? And then when they get older, you you, listen. Maybe you ground them. Maybe you take things away, but... They, And you do it out of what? Love, because you love your children. You want them to understand there's consequences. You will deal with the consequences of a parent before I see you deal with the consequences of what you're doing out there in the world. And that's what this is. And then when all else fails, judgment is one of the ways that God gets our attention so that we will repent and turn back to him. And that's what this was about in the Old Testament. And that's what this is in the tribulation period, because this is when God's prophetic clock for the Jewish people starts back up again. Now, when these horses and their riders are called, this is what judgment in the spirit realm looks like. Like God calls forth these, these riders and these horses, right? And and we're pretty certain that the first one is Satan, it's the Antichrist, okay? Now, there is a writer that, that I, 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 I read, an author, who believes that the Antichrist is riding on all four of these horses. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, my take on it is this. They are either angels carrying out a role, a mission that God has for them, or they're demons that God has given the authority to do a limited amount of havoc on the earth during this time. Something. Something. We just don't know. What we do know is, when judgment comes upon the earth, it comes from the throne room of God on these horses with these riders, in the spirit realm. And what we do know is they are given limitations as to what can be allowed to happen. They each have a specific role to carry out under the authority of God. Like death in Hades, death in the grave, they, you know, a fourth of the Earth, no more. And, and the famine, I believe, you can only go so far. But let's continue. Let's continue with this riveting read, shall we? Now we're in verse 9, Revelation chapter 6. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little longer until the final number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who were, who were to be martyred, had joined them. Now, remember what we talked about last week? Like, I believe the Bible is very specific. Was it a vision? Was it a dream? Peter went into a trance. John saw this stuff, literally witnessed this stuff. So here's the thing. People will repent and give their lives to Jesus during this time of tribulation, all right, and the days to come. But they will be put to death for their faith in Jesus. They will be hated because of Jesus. And what we're looking at here are what we would call the the, the, the tribulation period saints, the martyrs, who lost their lives during this horrific time. And they are crying out for the vengeance of their deaths, right? But there's more martyrs to come. This is why they're told to rest a little while longer, till the, the full number of your brothers and sisters, your fellow servants, will join you. And as they are told to wait, they are given white Robes. This signifies purity. In, in chapter 7, we'll see that all believers who suffered during the tribulation period will receive a white robe washed in the blood of the Lamb. I think there's a very special place for those who lost their lives for their faith. They get a, you know, you've heard that phrase, a special place in heaven. They get a special place in heaven. And 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 the angel the voice is saying is saying, Let's just hang tight. We're gonna gonna be enjoying life together here soon. Now it's interesting to note though that Jesus, Jesus even spoke of this in uh, Luke chapter twenty one, verse twelve talking about the earthquakes the famines plagues terrifying things miraculous signs from heaven and then he says this luke 21 12 but before all of this occurs there will be a time of great persecution you will be dragged into synagogues and prisons and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to repay or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. That gives me chills, man. Now, he says all that, and then he says, but, but not a hair of your head will perish. I think he's talking about, listen, you're going to, you will earn your eternal wars in heaven. You will save your soul by standing strong in this midst of persecution and keeping your faith in me. Now, the gospels of Matthew chapter 24 and Mark chapter 13 also contain these very words of Jesus. And this persecution begins at the onset of the tribulation period. These first uh, uh, sets of judgment, these sealed judgments, I believe, I believe the, the first three and a half years are broken up into thirds. The sealed judgments, the trumpet judgments, and then uh, some other events, and then the bowl judgments start the second half of uh, the tribulation period. Now the seventh seal uh, uh, actually um, announces the trumpet judgments to come. But let's keep reading here in Revelation chapter, uh, verse 12 in chapter 6. I watched as the lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. This is where we get excited about these blood moons they talk about. Well, this is not, those blood moons we have now, you look, it's kind of orange. No. This is, that's not a blood moon, according to the book of Revelation. So, um, all right, where was I? Okay, then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll, <clears throat> and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. Then everyone the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? This is a rebellious mankind right here. The stars are falling from the skies. I don't think these are like asteroids and, you know, I think the stars literally fall from the skies, mountains and islands will move from their places, earthquakes, I mean, nobody has ever seen anything like this before. I, I would just say, this is nuts. If I had three words to describe what I just read there, I would say, this is nuts. It's as if the entire universe is falling apart. And, and think of this, like not too long ago, millions and millions of people just disappeared. Think of, think of the rationalization that's going to come from that. And the, and the mainstream media is going to be trying to spin this in a way, and, and these generals, these world leaders, don't know what to say. Stars falling from the sky, mountains and islands moving from their places, the sky rolling up like a scroll. I don't even know what that looks like. And we can see from this passage that nobody is exempt. Generals, rulers, slaves, free, everybody. The events, and and, and here's the thing, the events of this seal has been prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. Everything in the book of Revelation has been spoken about by God in the past. Isaiah chapter 2. When the Lord rises to shake the earth, his enemies will crawl into holes in the ground. They will hide in caves in the rocks from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. Joel chapter 2. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. That's interesting. Interesting. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, all right. And not just the Old Testament prophets, let's go back to Luke chapter 21. I'm going to read two different passages, one starting in verse 9. This is Jesus. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs in heaven. This is Jesus. Then skip down to verse 25. And there will be strange signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Church, if we study our Bibles, we should know that everything that happens in the end has been spoken of prior. This is why we're doing this study here. Like, okay, let's say you have somebody in your life and they don't know Jesus. They start asking you about this crazy book called Revelation. Are you going to say, I don't know, man, that's crazy stuff. I don't know what to tell you. I can tell you Jesus loves you, but this person's looking for answers from this crazy book. You can say, yeah, it is crazy, and, and man, I, 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 there's some stuff I know, but hey, you know what? My church did a study on this, and I can point you to some sermons if you want to watch them. That would help. That would be a much better than I don't know. So listen to this, though. This is what I find crazy in, in, in this passage here. Those who reject God during this time, they cry out to the mountains and to the rocks. Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to survive? This is what the people say. Somehow they know that these cosmic events are coming from the one who sits on the throne and the lamb, the God the Father and God the Son. How do they know this? Because there's something inside of each one of us that cries out, yearning to be with our creator. And when you rebel against him and reject him and stuff that down and cover it with sin and and, and hate and Denial. This is what that looks like. Instead of repenting, they would rather the mountains fall on them. See, the most dreadful thing for an unrepentant person is to stand in front of a most holy God, their creator, who they don't know, but who loves them more than anything. But because they've they've stuffed the love of their creator down so deep into their spirit, they don't have any room. They don't want to stand in front of him. They'd rather hide from him. The Bible exposes who we are. It helps us become better people when we respond accordingly. And this they feared more than anything because an unrepentant person often sees God as a vengeful being. Not as someone who sent his son to usher in the kingdom of God on the earth as he walked this earth to die for us in our place, to allow himself to be nailed to a cross so that we, when we put our faith into him, can become whole, can become new, can be forgiven, can live new lives, can live the life that we were created to live in the name of Jesus. We'll close with with these words here. The book of Revelation, church, should not be read as God's terrifying announcement that the world is ending, but in the context of a new beginning and a new creation that one day will be enjoyed by all those who call Jesus their Savior. There is hope in this book. Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, uh, verses 9 and 10 when believers are being put on trial and persecuted during this time. He says this, This will be your opportunity to tell them about me, for the good news must be preached to all nations. In Matthew chapter 24, he says this about this time, Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will go cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come there will be those who will give up their lives during this tribulation period but they will preach the good news before they lose their lives and the whole world will hear it church we all we all have family and friends and coworkers and neighbors and acquaintances in our lives and we as believers hold the hope of the salvation that lies only in Jesus Christ there is no other hope on this planet, for our eternal destination, except through Jesus. And so the question is this. Are we sharing him with others? Or are we keeping him to ourselves? There's a reason why, again, we're doing this series. Because the church has the hope to give to the world. People, this, this time, we, we, can t- we can enter into conversations with people, you know, a- as we get closer to this time, people will start seeing things are going crazy, things are going crazy, things are going crazy. Yeah, but listen, you know what? I've got the answer for you. I have good news for you. The Apostle Paul pleaded with the church in Corinth, and I'm giving you this same plea today. He said this. As God's partners, we beg you, I, I, Chip, beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, and he's quoting Isaiah here, chapter 49, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. When it comes to sharing our faith, we cannot say, I'll do it tomorrow. Today's been busy. I'll I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. God sees you. God sees us. God hears them. And today is the day for salvation. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, man, Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you, God, for your word, God. We read that passage last week, I think it was in Isaiah, where where you said everything, you know, whatever it was, everything that happens in the future, I've already spoken about. Everything in God's word, church, that is to come has been spoken about. None of it should be new as believers in Jesus if we study our Bibles. So God, what I want to do is I want to ask Lord Jesus that you would ignite something in all of us. Not to be fearful of this, but but to be hopeful, to understand that this is good news. I hold good news for somebody around me. So what if somebody rejects you because you share Jesus with them? You planted a seed. You plant a seed, and somebody else will come along and water it. God, I, I, I pray right now that, and, and I do, I sense there's a specific like, anointing of, of maybe just evangelism, uh, uh, a, a spark of hope, and like, oh, I hold the good news of Jesus Christ. And we hold it in our hearts to release it to others